Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm, my name is Noel. I am part of the team here at C3 Church in Kelowna. We are finishing up our November series called uh, Walk Before You Run. It's a series on the, some of the basic Christian foundations. Uh, earlier in November, Pastor Dave started us off on the topic of fellowship. Uh, Pastor Kimberly then challenged us to spend more time in the Word of God, spend time with Scripture. Uh, last week, Elisa took us through fasting. And all of those messages have been very challenging. Uh, I have this personal philosophy. I do this every year myself, sometimes around Christmas time, sometimes just early in the new year. I don't really do New Year's resolutions, but I always take this time early on to look at my own core beliefs and compare them to what Scripture says and then allow myself to go, am I believing the right thing here? Because as I grow, there are certain things that I believed when I was younger that maybe weren't 100% right. And I need the Lord to be able to take his word and move that through me into a place where I can go, yeah, I need to change this fundamental thing in my life. Today, this message that we're going to be talking about is we're going to be covering this last topic in this series on prayer. When this topic came my way, when, when it was being divvied out, um, they asked, you know, there was a couple of topics that had been pre-selected, and then uh, they gave the option for prayer and fasting, and both Elisa and I decided we wanted fasting. Elisa got it. I got prayer. But I thought to myself, when I got it, I'm like, you know what, like, I, I pray a fair bit. Like, I can do this. Like, I, I got this. I know what I'm doing here. I completely underestimated this topic, okay? I looked at this message and like on, from so many different aspects. I thought to myself, uh, what about, could I walk you guys through the different types of prayer? You know, talking about, you know, whether it's just basic asking prayer or whether it's like seeking into his presence. You, some of you have heard me talk in the past about seeking into his, like getting into his presence on a regular basis. I thought about talking about speaking in tongues or uh, intercession or, you know, just maybe preaching on the Lord's Prayer. I went from this from every perspective, and, and no matter, like I collected pages of quotes on prayer, uh, all these scriptures, and I pared down the scriptures, and I know Uli and, and the, the team back there don't believe me I pared down the scriptures, because there's a lot of scripture today. But there's so much in the Bible about prayer. There's so many different aspects of prayer. And as I went through this, I was like, this is going to be completely overwhelming. And then this thought crossed my mind, why don't I pray about what I should talk about on prayer? <laughs> why don't I pray about it? That seems right. And as I did pray, uh, it, the Lord took all that stuff and he boiled it down to one main point, one major thing that I want to share today. And everything that we talk about is going to kind of support this one thought that prayer is communicating with God from your heart. 
Okay? Say that again. Prayer is communicating with God from your heart. Now, I'm going to give you four points this morning to support this idea. And the first point that I've got is this. Prayer is a critical part of our relationship with God. Prayer is a critical part of our relationship with God. Tradition presents us with this idea of prayer. We have these, these pictures of prayer. You know, like the, the little, you know, or the, the person that's kneeling in front of their bed with their hands folded, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. You know, Lord, bless my family, bless my dog, bless the mailman. We've got uh, people who use prayer as sort of a platitude. We talked about platitudes earlier this year. Prayer is a platitude. You know, someone's going through a hard time. They're going through some sort of crisis. We offer our thoughts and prayers. These ideas, these, these pictures of prayer that we have are really not effective. They're not showing what prayer really is. It's really weird to me to think that we have reduced our society and even, even our church, this is like not, not necessarily C3, but churches in general, the Christian, Christian culture, we've reduced the idea of prayer, this communication with the guy who created the universe, the most powerful being in existence. We've reduced the idea of talking to him to this thing on uh, something that we do when uh, as sort of a last resort, when we need something or when we're going through crisis. There's this um, rapper. <laughs> His name is NF. Uh, and he has this song called, Oh Lord. And in this song, one of the verses of this song, and I'm going to try to do this justice, okay? But his verse goes like this. It's easy to blame God, but harder to fix things. We look in the sky like, why ain't you listening? Watching the news in our living rooms on the big screen and talking about if God's really real, then where is he? You see, the same God that you say might not even exist becomes real to us, but only when we're dying in bed. When you're healthy, it's like, we don't really care for him then. Leave me alone, God. I'll call you when I need you again. Which is funny. Everyone will sleep in the pews, then blame God for our problems like he's sleeping on you. We turn our backs on him. What do you expect him to do? It's hard to answer prayers when nobody's praying to you. Every time I hear those lyrics, and i got to thank my daughter for that because she's the one who got to introduce me to that, but every time I hear those lyrics, those lyrics hit me hard because I'm faced with some questions then. And I... And I'm going to share these questions for you. And you know what it means when, when, you know, you go along through life sometimes and you're happily ignorant about things. And then you learn something and now you're responsible for that thing. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. That's what's going to happen to you now. Yeah. <laughs> questions that I get faced with is this. Do I believe that prayer works? Do I believe that if I talk to God, that he's going to hear me? Do I believe that if he talks back to me that I'm going to hear him? There's a lady named Corey Tenboom. 
she was alive uh, during the, the Second World War. She was a Jewish lady. She faced some of the horrors of what happened to the, Jewish, the Jews at, during that time. She went through some tough things. And she said this later, uh, after, after she'd gone through those things, she said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? You see, a person, a person who believes that prayer works prays regularly. A person who believes that they can communicate with the living God and that the living God would even listen, that they would even care to listen to them, and that the living God would even bother to communicate back. A person who believes that is a person who leverages that relationship in their everyday life. I like to say it this way. If your idea of God is that he's too big to have an individual relationship with every person on earth, then your idea of God is too small. God is absolutely big enough that he can run the entire universe and have a personal, close relationship with each one of you at any moment. He's absolutely that big. And when you know that, you start to realize that he wants to answer prayer. James chapter 5, verse 16 says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So, okay, how do you pray then? Like, there's got to be an like instruction manual on how to pray, right? If he's going to give us this, all this stuff, how do you pray? Well, how do you communicate with your best friend? How do you talk to one of your family members? You just talk to them about what's on your heart, what's on your mind. You listen to them when they're talking to you about stuff. But come on, isn't, isn't God king of the universe? Isn't, isn't it a little bit more formal than that? Yes, he's king of the universe. But Proverbs 18, verse 24 Describes, him, describes it this way. It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend, God, who sticks closer than a brother. Now, if he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, then why don't we treat him like that? In my relationship with my wife, and I use my wife as an example uh, often because she's my closest friend. She's the person that is closest to me, and, and we have an interesting relationship. So in my relationship with my friend, or my wife, my friend, my wife, sometimes we have these deep conversations about life, about our dreams, about things. And we'll sit on the couch and we'll talk about these things for a long time. Other times, we have some more difficult conversations about things that need to change, and we call those conversations um, intense fellowship. 
Sometimes my wife and I will communicate with a single word or a, or a single phrase. Is that what you're wearing? Uh, sometimes it's just a, a look. We can give each other just a simple look, and we know what the other person is thinking. We know what the other person is, is doing. There's this really great scripture that talks about it, it puts it in this really kind of um, informal way, and it, I love it this way. Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. The way that this scripture is written is such this, it's like an informal thing. It's actually not meaning to be like, get down on your knees, fold your hand, go through all these steps. It's like, hey, you got a need? Just go talk to God. He's got you covered. He figured, he knows what's going on. It's informal. It's not like it's some big thing. When you see your relationship with God as close, then communicating with him becomes natural. And that's, that's a thing for a lot of people. I don't see my relationship as close to God. This brings me actually to my uh, second point that I want to make here, and that is prayer is our access to the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. The book of Esther uh, in the Bible is a, a, an amazing example of the kind of relationship that we have with God. In that story, uh, in the culture of the time, where they were, the people of Israel had been captured, they'd been taken off to uh, this other country. In that culture, no one could stand before the king. No one could go into the throne room of the king uninvited. If you stepped into that throne room, you went before the king uh, without being invited, you were put to death. That's how serious that crime was. Like, it didn't matter who you were. You could be the king's wife. If you stepped into that room uninvited, you were put to death, unless the king said it's okay. And Esther, uh, Pastor Kimberly, a couple weeks ago, talked about Esther a little bit in, when we were talking about the scripture. Esther had been preparing, and she had started this relationship with the king. She was now his wife. And... She's in this situation where she has to go before the king urgently, and she walks into the throne room, taking, risking her own life to go and have this conversation with the king. And because of the relationship that she has with him, when it came time, everybody stops. She walks into the room. All the conversation in the room stops. Everybody's eyes turn to Esther. She walks to the door, and the king says, it's okay. She's welcome. Come on up. Talk to me. And that's just like us and God. If we are saved, if we have a relationship with God, then Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says... So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I've spoken in the past about entering that presence. And I'd like to tell you a little story about something that God showed me a few weeks ago. This year, this last fall, um, 
I had to do a lot of traveling for my work. And I was, every second week I was traveling for about a month and a half. It was just like every other week I'm traveling, I'm on airplanes, I'm going back and forth. One of my last trips uh, before we went on our holidays here uh, a little while ago, one of my last trips, I was flying from Vancouver to Kelowna, and it was an early morning flight. We had uh, come into our flight, come in late into Vancouver, so we missed the flight coming home, so they put us up for the night, and we're taking the early morning flight back into Kelowna. And as I'm, we're coming up over the, you know, we're, we're taking off, we're going up over the mountains, I was, I, I thought I'm just going to take some time on the plane and pray and spend some time just going into God, just taking some time with him. And as I was praying, I was praying about how that I felt like over the last little while, I'd kind of started letting some of the world kind of take a little bit more place in my heart. And I wasn't as feeling as close to him. And I wanted to kind of make, take that back. I didn't want the world to kind of put, be in there. I, I wanted it to be more about him. And as I was, as I was uh, praying this, I'm looking out the window. I was in a window seat. I'm looking out the window at the mountains going below me, flying up over the mountains. And in between the mountains and the plain is this layer of clouds. And you know, the clouds are broken up in different places. And uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like you're just flying. You can see down. You can see the, the land through the clouds below. And I was thinking to myself as I'm praying, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking it would be so nice to see those mountains. It's the early morning sunshine. It's a beautiful day. It'd be really nice if those clouds weren't there because I'd really love to be able to see the majesty of those mountains. They're just beautiful mountains. But the clouds, and I could kind of see that one of the things that I noticed when I was looking at this was that where there were some clouds, there was shadow from the clouds and it made the mountains darker. Like it was a lot darker than what the light, ambient light was. I was looking at this and I thought, oh, that's okay, whatever. I just turned my eyes back into the plane and I, I just closed my eyes and I kept praying. And as I was praying with my eyes closed there, all of a sudden in my mind's eye, very prominently, I could see those clouds moving below the plane. Like I could just, like in my, my mind, I could see that. And it seemed really significant for some reason. I thought, that's strange. Why am I seeing these clouds? So I said, I asked the Lord, I said, why is this significant? And he prompted my heart, look at the clouds again. And so I opened my eyes, I look out the window, and this time, it was like all the clouds had been pushed back. I could see them in the distance, but I could just see it was this open clearing in the clouds, and I could see those mountains in their majesty, just the beautiful mountains, the gorgeous, even the spots that looked like they had been covered with uh, covered with, you know, shadow and stuff like that. Like, it was all just clear and bright. And I was looking at this. I almost had a double take, and I was like, wow, that's really beautiful. And here's what the Lord said in my heart in that moment. He said, when you go without me, the worldly pursuits cloud your mind. They obscure your view of my majesty and make it harder to see me, to desire me. You forget how majestic it is to be in my presence. But when you press into me daily, when you spend time praying, the clouds are pushed aside and your view opens up, allowing you to take in my majesty. The more the clouds are pushed away, the brighter and more clearly you can take in the awesomeness of who I am. A week later, I was on the same flight doing the same thing. And this time, 
there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And I could see all the mountains for their beauty. And it was absolutely stunning. And the Lord reminded me of what he had said before. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, wow, I couldn't have set that up if I tried. <laughs> this morning, I went upstairs. My wife's getting ready in the bedroom. And I'm, I walk into the bedroom. And I, as I walk in, this next scripture that I'm about to put up is playing on her phone. She's doing her devotions. And the scripture is actually playing. Second Chronicles 7. 14 says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. How do you seek God? How do you seek him? In Exodus, there's this really great story about this. So we're going to start Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. It's a few verses here. I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. It says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord, oh, how do we seek the Lord? Okay, everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, uh, tabernacle meeting, uh, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses would go in and talk to the Lord like a friend on behalf of all the people who were seeking him. And that was the old system, the old way before Jesus died. Once Jesus went to the cross, he restored our access to talk with God like a friend. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 22. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And so this then actually brings me to my third point. Prayer requires faith and obedience. It's funny that Tammy said earlier that uh, Elisa took her message for that because both of them took my message for this part. <laughs> so there we go. And I love how God does that. I love how God does that. There's so many times the Lord, I'll be getting ready for the morning or getting ready for, for church and I'll have my devotions on and I'll be, or I'll, I'll have a scripture pop in my mind and I'll start reading through that scripture as I'm doing my devotions. And then I get to church and Pastor Dave tells the exact same scripture and uses that as the foundation. It's like, what, how? Of course it's God, right? Prayer requires faith and obedience. In John chapter 14, 13 to 15, it says, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments. 
I mean, I feel like that's fairly self-explanatory right there. When we know we have a relationship with God, we can talk to him and ask him for anything, and he will do it. If we love him, by nature, we will obey him. But sometimes, sometimes obeying God will mean doing things that are uncomfortable. Things that don't feel very good. Things that are, uh, it might mean giving money to someone who you know isn't all that good with money. Right? I'm going to tell a little story right here. Uh, recently, a, a, a couple that, that we know from a previous church a long time ago um, started going through a particularly hard time. And they were desperate enough that they started reaching out to some of the people that they know asking for money. And, I mean, that's got to be hard. It's got to be really hard to do. It's, it's a very humbling thing. Um, I happen to know that this couple maybe isn't the most responsible with their money, as, as they could be. And... They started asking us for this money right before our family was about to leave on our vacation to Florida. And so what do you think my reaction was? Absolutely, let's do it. No, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, my reaction was hesitation. I was like, well, I, I, and I, so I brought it to God and I, and I spent some time praying about it and then I got that peace in my heart that yes, we should do this. And if I'm being even more honest, I didn't want to have that peace in my heart that we should do this, so I asked my wife. <laughs> and my wife got peace in her heart, and I'm like, come on, God, no. It was just, it was one of those things, so it's like, okay, yeah, all right, we, we talked it through, we got peace in our heart, and we said, okay, that's what it is. So, and, and after a couple days, yeah, we thought, all right, we'll, we'll do this, and so we, we took that, and we took some of the money we had saved up for our trip, and we put it towards that. Interestingly, something happened on our vacation. And I, it's not necessarily direct, but it was something that, that I do tie to this. We went, uh, our vacation went through a number of different places. We went from you know, Texas all the way through uh, Mississippi, Alabama, uh, or yeah, we went to uh, New Orleans, we went, and then we, like, we went into uh, Florida, we went all the way down through Florida. When we got to New Orleans, we were exploring a little bit of New Orleans, and honestly, personally, if I never go back to New Orleans in my life, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> it was not my favorite place. However, we were on our way, we, went, we wanted to go down and check out the French Quarter in New Orleans, because that's the place you gotta go check out, and uh, yeah, it's an interesting place. But we, instead of driving down to the French Quarter, we decided to catch an Uber because we didn't want to go try and find parking in this like tourist trap. That would just be annoying and probably super expensive. So we're just going to catch an Uber and we'll go down there. And the Uber driver was possibly one of my favorite human beings I've ever met in my life. This Uber driver was a tongue-talking, born-again, beautiful, this woman, she was amazing. She was so fun. She was, uh, she, her name uh, was... I, I butchered it, Trinisha, Trinisha. She just, she looked at me, she said, honey, you just call me T. <laughs> so 
T and I started talking, and the whole way there, we were talking about spiritual warfare. We were talking about all these different things. But she said this one thing that just stuck right out to me, and it's absolutely amazing, and, and uh, it really goes along with what we're talking about today. She said that um, sometimes God would call her to pray in the middle of the night. And she described that when God would ask her that in the middle of the night, she would find it tempting to be like, okay, God, I'll just lay here and pray in bed. And the Lord was challenging her to get uncomfortable, get up out of bed and do it the right way. Sometimes we're asked to do things that are uncomfortable. She was describing a willingness to obey God, even though it was inconvenient to her. Pastor Michael Todd from uh, Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma said this, If you obey God with your hands but not your heart, it's a dead work. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. That's uncomfortable. It means putting down Facebook, putting down Instagram, not watching the reels, not watching something in order to go and pursue what God wants. It means not watching that TV. Maybe it means giving money. Maybe it means giving a lot of money. Maybe it means spending three hours on your knees in prayer for somebody. It could be something. It means it could be uncomfortable. But like I said, if you love God, are you going to obey him? Why would you inconvenience yourself to pray? Why would you do that? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You would inconvenience yourself because you believe that God answers prayers. Going back to that question, do you believe that God answers prayers? Do you believe he's going to hear you? Matthew 11, verse 22 to 20, I think we got four here. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. In this passage, the word believe there, it's a really interesting little thing. Um, that word was used interchangeably with having faith or believing in your heart, knowing in your heart that something is so. How do you get faith, though? And this is where it all ties back to Pastor Kimberly's message a couple of weeks ago on spending time in the scriptures. She said something in her message that it, this is the piece that, like, when we were listening to it, we were driving to the Florida Keys at the moment. There was, she said this, and it made me stop for a second. 
And when we got to a little spot where we rest stop, I had to write this down right away because I thought was, this is so critical. And she said, commitment is a mindset. She encouraged us to commit to spending time in the word of God. Romans 10, 17, um, I'm going to do this out of the New King James Version because I love this version, the way that it says it. Roman, uh, Romans 10, verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you spend time in the word, it goes in your heart. And when it goes into your heart, that's when the Holy Spirit can work with it and activate it and turn it into faith. Going back to Mark eleven twenty four, it says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. But if you take a look at the very next verse, it says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you were holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. God wants you to forgive other people's sins first before you pray so that your sins can be forgiven. And this is actually the fourth point that I want to make here. Your prayers are hindered by sin. Sin is a topic that we don't talk a lot about in the Christian church. Okay, we don't spend a lot of time on sin because it's tough to define it. It's tough to say, what is sin? This one thing is sin? Is that thing a sin? Is, you know, what, it's tough for us as a as a church to sort of nail down sin versus not sin and all this stuff. So we're going to make this fairly easy, and the Bible has a lot to say about it, but we're not going to spend too much time on this right now because I want to move into something else. Like, this is important. I want to walk you through this next part. Uh, James 4, verse 17 in the English Standard says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him that's sin. It goes the opposite way. If you know not to do something, and you do it anyway, that's also sin. You know what I'm saying? Okay? And why does this matter? Well, Romans 6.23 says this, and this is where it's going to tie back to what we were talking about earlier. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To break that down, like I mentioned, Jesus' sacrifice got us access to God, right? Our eternal life is in God. But this verse contrasts that with the statement that the wages of sin is death. Now, the word death here is not physical death. The word death here in the old original language actually says separated from God. The wages of sin is separation from God. Sin literally separates you from God. And honestly, I can't think of a more effective way of stopping your prayers from being effective than removing you from God. Right? That's why Mark 11.25 said to forgive others so that you can be forgiven of your sin so that your prayers will be effective. When you sin, God isn't looking at the specific sin that you committed. Did you know that? 
When you sin, God isn't looking at the specific sin that you committed. What he's looking at is your heart that left him to find fulfillment in something other than him. So to bring this all to a close, each of these points that I've made all point back to prayer being about your heart, about communication with God from your heart. Prayer, first point was prayer is a critical part of our relationship with God. That relationship is a heart connection. Number two is prayer is our access to the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. People don't want to approach God unless it's in their heart to do so. Number three, prayer requires faith and obedience. Faith is when the word goes into your heart. Obedience comes from a heart that wants to see his will done. And number four, your prayers are hindered by sin. Effective prayer comes from a clean heart, a heart that's been forgiven. A lot of people pray. Lots of people pray. Actually, I was reading some uh, stats and stuff in my preparation for this. I was reading stats that up to 80% of North American people pray. Did you know that? Up to 80%. So why are we so ineffective? A lot of those people are praying to show how spiritual they are. A lot of people just repeat things over and over and over again, thinking that that's going to be effective. And this is the same in Jesus' time. Uh, He actually said this, Matthew 6, 5, 8, says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Later in Matthew, in chapter 15, verse 8, it says, When Jesus was talking about the Pharisees, uh, sorry, yeah. When, when Jesus was talking about the Pharisees, he said this, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. All the way through the scripture, God talks about the heart. I mean, you'll notice all the way through, yes, the Bible is a contract signed in Jesus' blood, but he spends a lot of time in that contract talking about where your heart's at. Because the contract isn't effective unless your heart's in it. In it. When Samuel was selecting a new king of Israel, God was looking at all the David's brothers, and Samuel was like, surely it's this big, tall, handsome one. And God said, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I'm going to close with this. There's kind of a statement here. I'm going to close with this. What is the purest form of honey? Pure honey. No additives, no anything else. What is the purest form of worship? Pure worship. No additives, no showy. What is the purest form of prayer? Pure prayer that comes from the heart. No added display, no added repetition or drama. Just a Funny little thing, my dad, my dad was awesome Christian guy. He loved to teach the word. He, he's the one who gave me my love for the word. My dad, when he would pray, he would, 
for whatever reason, and I love him for this, he was totally sincere, but it always made me chuckle. When my dad would start praying, all of a sudden his English turned to old King James English. Oh Lord, that thou wouldst come down upon us. Absolutely, he was totally sincere, but it was hilarious. And it made me, I couldn't pray with him. It was just funny to me, but prayer, when it's pure, when it's from the heart, when it's from you, when it's from here, and you're seeking him, you're wanting to spend time with him, that's when it's effective. That's when he will hear and do things. Is your heart really in it? Is it coming from a place of relationship? Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.